everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Don't spend the money you make. Spend the money your money makes. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? Dude, good. I Actually, that must be a sound clip I say in the beginning of every episode. <laughs> Dude, good. Dude, excellent. Uh, just just uh, sipping a midnight brew. Again, it... a low ABV. Yep. Uh, trying to be responsible. Looks know. dark. What is it? Um, it is a dark hoppy ale. Nice. Oh, a Cascadian dark ale. Mm. A black IPA, if you will. One of my favorite styles that not a lot of people make. Yeah? Yes. Well, it's good. It's on my list of things to brew um, and perfect. What are you drinking? <laughs> I am drinking water today because I had a some food poisoning in the last uh, two days. So, Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, just... Uh, what yeah. I'm just curious, what caused the food poisoning? We I actually be- already know. Yeah, we believe it was uh, black beans, a can of black beans. Yes, <laughs> for, for everyone, for everyone that knows my feeling about beans, I just want to say, you know, I I did not know you had a bean, fe- uh, like a bean phobia. Yes, I thought you were going to say a bean, <laughs> fetish. <laughs> bean fetish. I have a reverse bean fetish. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I didn't know that. Mm. The things you learn. The things you learn. Uh, our catchphrase today comes from Andrew Conaway. Thank you, Andrew. Don't spend the money you make. Spend the money your money makes. I love it. Uh, today is the coveted five questions episode, and we'll be talking about dividend stocks, the Fisher effect, and what to do if history repeats itself. So let's let's jump in. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Can you guys explain how these ETFs work? Those being R-E-M-L, M-O-R-L, and M-R-R-L. They pay great dividends, but what's the drawback? And I believe these are REIT stocks or REIT um, index funds? So, yes. Or REITs, I guess. Uh, right? They're specifically, they're, uh, two, their, their name is leveraged mortgage REITs. Okay, and what does that mean? So, so there's a REIT, and a mm-hmm. REIT is... Um, a fund that owns a bunch of property. Yeah. Yeah. And and as per, you know, rules that have to pay out ninety percent of the gains they make to the owners of the REIT. Now a mortgage REIT, um, instead of owning equity in these properties, they own debt or the mortgages. Well let me, hold on, let me let me go back. On on a REIT, when you have um if you're buying, say like one uh REIT, okay. Mm-hmm. You saying they're paying out ninety percent? What is that? Where is that money being earned from? Is it being earned Could from be from tenants? Okay, or you know stuff like that from selling it, the properties exactly from okay. the appreciation as a result. Okay. All right, so so you're making money through through uh, like rental income or income from like because it could be REITs could be commercial REITs, right? You could have um, yes, okay, and that would be uh, leases, I guess. Well, it'd be well leases the, the re would traditionally own the building, and yes, I guess leases for tenants and stuff like that. So that's where that ninety percent of income comes from, right? Correct. And so, and so I'm assuming these are different. It could be a read of single family rental properties, sure. And then you know, so you're making money on the uh, on the again the leases and what the businesses or individuals or families paying rent essentially. Got it. So and, then, and what then is, obviously the appreciation. So what's the difference between these ones? So th- those that we just talked about are yep. what you traditionally think of when you hear a REIT. And these are mortgage REITs. And so they own the mortgages. 
And so I don't know if you remember back uh, in 2008. <laughs> yeah, they were just they, buying up mortgages, buying debt. Mortgage, yes. They, they, mm-hmm. they uh, you know, package mortgages up. And so these are essentially mortgage REITs. So they own the mortgages, but this, the, these three funds earn uh, 18% dividends. So insanely high, mm. right? They're uh, 2x le- uh, levered. So a normal REIT may uh, have a leverage of like two to one. You know, if you think yeah. of like debt to equity. Yeah. Um, these are five to one. Mm. And they're heavily dependent on low interest rates. And so basically, they look really good. And if you see an 18% dividend, you should be skeptical. And then you'd be right because they're great until they're not. I would and say when, they're... F- and when are they not? When the, when the economy is in a downturn? Well, when, uh, first of it, all, the companies that have all this leverage can have an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the mortgages that they own can have an issue. Uh, or interest rates can change, uh, removing kind of uh, the way that they're profiting. They're, they're like, uh, in a way, interest rate arbitrage. So you would not own any of these? I would not. Okay. So 18% return. Be skeptical. Probably just like never buy anything that's 18% return. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, so that's the big drawback. Mm. All right. Well, there's money to be made. People are making money. Sure. I just like won't pe- be one of them. It's like penny stocks. You yes. make money doing that too. True. So thank you to Travis for that. Appreciate that question. Moving on. Uh, all right. Question number two. If and when should you invest in a non-tax advantaged accounts that are more liquid than retirement accounts? So my wife and I don't have any clear goals. We just know investing is good and will set us up for the future. So uh, I would say that if you don't have any goals, you should start a taxed advantaged account. <laughs> I think that I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, like everyone has goals, but uh, if you don't need to well, buy clear it, goals. Yes, exactly. Like I'm assuming, you know, goals that you would use that money for, like buying a home or like a new refrigerator, new refrigerator or, or something. Yeah, yeah, like those things you want liquid and quick. Um, and obviously, if you put that into a tax tax advantage account, like an IRA or four hundred one k, something like that, then yeah, they're not going to be as liquid to you. So the cool thing about tax advantage accounts is, if say your tax rate is thirty percent and mm-hmm. you put your money into them, it's essentially like thirty percent off, or you're getting more money to invest than otherwise. So right. in most cases you should. And kind of the rule of operations in my mind is you fill your emergency fund first. So in case of emergency, you're good. Then you uh, do all matching because that's just free money, like pretty sure. much guaranteed return. You match your Roth IRA because they're just awesome if mm-hmm. you can, if you have access to it. Um, and then it's maybe debatable if you put into your 401k or you do a taxable investment. And it depends, like you could use that money to buy a home or I don't know, buy a business. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have, um, with Betterman, I have a, I used to have a Roth IRA, mm-hmm. which is my first retirement account. And then I ha- also have a brokerage account. Um, uh, but now I have, I think a SEP IRA because I'm a small business. I have a small business so I can contribute more. Uh, so those are amazing. Yeah. I think so you put I, up to like $50,000. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So that's basically like my, 401k IRA without matching, mm. you know, it's just all for me, but, uh, I have both and they are both through betterment. I actually didn't know that betterment did, um, both steps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to set up a set for myself, but 
anyways, like if you're early on in like your journey, Roth IRAs are awesome because you're getting taxed this little tiny amount and then it grows tax-free forever. Or if mm-hmm. you're like Matt, you own a business and you're always going to make more and more money and just be, I don't know, a billionaire when you retire. Sure. Yep. Better, that's better my, you pay that's my plan. taxes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> better you pay taxes when you were a uh, mere hundred air. Mere hundred air. Yeah. A mere thousand air. That's right. Uh, all right. Well, that was from Kyle P. Thank you so much. Hopefully that answered your question. And then moving on, we have uh, if the exact circumstances of the 08 and 09 thing occurred. Uh, what would be the impact for the fire movement and especially those who have heavily leveraged themselves on passive income in the real estate and money-making activities like blogs and podcasts? <laughs> oh boy. Uh, if we're in a down economy, those advertising dollars may become less and less available, right? What about what steps have you taken and do you see being taken to avoid bankruptcy and some of the challenges people ran into during those times? I love this question. I know you do. I mean, like uh, it, was, it was pitched to me. I was like, we have to include it. Um, I feel so strongly on both ends. All right. Well, let's let's take let's take a piece by piece. Mm. Okay. Two thousand eight hits again, which it will. Ha- just a matter of time. Fine. No, no, that's not necessarily. Yes, all right, fine. Yes, it just doesn't. It doesn't. It's a matter of time, right? It could it be. It won't be the same thing. It'll be something right. different that no one will anticipate. Right. Except for that one guy that gets gets super rich, right? Uh, it's the guy in um, the Big Short. They'll definitely write a book <laughs> and a movie about it, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so, two thousand eight happens. What are the? What do you think is going to happen to the fire people? They're who, all who have get the, jobs. You think? <laughs> I think it's really cool to like f- figure out all these numbers mm-hmm. in like the longest boom time ever. You know, and you just have enough and you're going to figure it out. And, and you know, power to you, you don't have a job. Um, I don't even really believe in, you know, not working anyways. Uh, I, th- I think that they're going to they're going to have a um, harsh reality when the investments that they calculated to survive on are now a third or a half or or even 60 percent of the value. All right. What do you think somebody would do to argue that point? Because you know someone in the fire community is probably listening to that answer and going like, that's wrong. What do you think they're they're saying that's wrong? So um, let's say that you or I fire retired early, right? We calculated it out. We don't have a business. We just stopped working our jobs because we saved enough. Give me numbers. Okay. So you could have fire retired and exactly retired like you know you know how much you need to survive today and you did it and you can survive today those people are going to get destroyed then there's like fire retired i don't know times two you've calculated you ran all your numbers and you can withdraw from your investments twice as much as you need to survive survive. right those fire 2x people they're also going to get screwed because if everything halves then they're going to be on the line which it did have in 08 right okay and the so problem- I mean, but 08 was like we always have to remember that 08, and we talked to um, Jay David Stein about this. Like 08 mm-hmm. was like what happened in the 30s, you know, mm-hmm. like or like you know the Great Depression. It was fucking bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the chances of that happening again in 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 the next you know 10, 20 years is low. Doesn't mean we're not you know we could have a recession, we could have a correction. But it's, I mean, what we had in 2008 was pretty, pretty bad. So 
I, I guess I don't know that I would I would agree with you. I think that uh, well, I'm just saying like, it, it was. It just yes, it, it was. was extremely bad, and I think that it is only fair to assume that bad will happen again, or you just won't be prepared, right? If you think it's ah, it's only going to take ten percent off, then when it takes fifteen percent off, yeah, that'd be right. great. You're you're done, and so yeah. I think unless you have fire retired at some multiple higher than two, even three times what you need, you're going to have an issue. And the problem is, you know, it doesn't stay low forever, yeah. but during those months or years that it's very low, those withdrawals are so many more times more painful yes. because you're pulling capital out that could have earned. Yes. And so it actually changes your home whole time horizon. Um, now, Dana, give context. Like this question is specifically asking us. It's if, geared if, directly to us. I feel like. Well, yes, but it's also asking like, what if 08 happens again, right? So, mm. you know, we're not saying that. You know, hey, this next this next thing that happens, like you're all going to be fucked because it may not be what happened. It may not be 2008. You know, part two. You right. know, 2008 strikes back. It could be, uh, you know, 1984 strikes back. Who knows? I don't know. Mm. Um, the empire strikes back. <laughs> the, yeah, <laughs> right. So what the, the, so the second part of that is what about those people in the fire community who leverage themselves on uh, money making activities like blogs and podcasts? Right. So when you, when they say and like specifically like, it makes well, me well, well, they're saying also to follow up too. It's like the, uh, they're, they're assuming that these people are making money on advertising dollars. Mm-hmm. And those advertising dollars will dry up if the economy tanks. Right. Okay. I think, I mean, personally. Look, all podcasts barely <laughs> survive anyways. Right, there's, right. There's no money in podcasts. We literally had like an hour-long conversation about that before. And we've been doing this for years. It's just not a lot of money. So, yes, maybe that advertising dollar, those those will go. Yeah. Um. But then if. If if we get into another recession, like all most of these are the banks that are paying for advertising, like they're not going to be paying for advertising anymore. Right. That's like, that's the first thing that you know. From my experience, the first thing that companies cut is the marketing budget. When th- yes. when times are tough, they cut the marketing budget. I th- I think that should be the opposite, but that's right. just how the how it goes. And so so let's talk about the blog piece or the okay. online thing. Is some people sell their widgets, you know, they have an e-commerce thing, they drop ship. And if those things that they're selling are still things that people want and need, I don't know, maybe and they're are affordable. Band-aids or something, you know, that it, sure. it doesn't matter what's happening in the economy. You need a band-aid, you need a band-aid. Yep. So those will be fine. If you're mm-hmm. selling, you know, hats with a spinny thing on top, then <laughs> a propeller, like, you know, no one needs that. Well, um, I mean, I worked for a, tr- a luggage company mm-hmm. a- in 2008. Yeah. And that's what I got fired because the luggage no company, one's traveling. No one's traveling. <laughs> no one's buying expensive luggage to travel. So, yeah. So I think it depends on what you're doing online. Um, I was let go. I wasn't fired. OK, that's fair. What, fair. You know, that, we that's, were, yeah, we were all let go. The whole company laid like, off, laid off. That's it. Um, You know, but, but like that's a very broad area. And so I think like it depends what you're doing online. Yeah. When it comes to real estate, you know, I think it's fair to say that. When there's less money to buy things because of a crash, you know, prices drop. Mm-hmm. But and then you, there's tons of people will buy and fix and flip and good for them. I can't. I won't ever do that. I think that if you buy long term and yeah. you run the numbers, you can anticipate things like this. For example, and 
You can go and use Investable for free for a certain amount of property searches. This thing that we made, getinvestable.co. There is a number in there where it takes 50% of your rental income, throws it out the window, and then runs all of your expenses on the remaining 50%. And we pretty much say in Investable that if that is at least $1 up, then you're probably going to be fine. Yeah. Imagine you lose half your rental income. You cut your rent in half and <laughs> right. you still can make a dollar. Like, And so it's, if you do the math, I think it'll be good. People who yeah. don't do the math and they're really risky, they're not going to be good. But that's the argument is that FIRE does take math, shockingly yes. simple math, and, mm-hmm. and say, oh, we can retire early if you just you know save half your income. And truth be told, Mr. FIRE himself, Mr. Money Mustache, uh, always worked, even though it wasn't at a job. He built houses and sold it to people. He, yep. you know, invested in properties, and he runs a website that is, I don't know, ten or more times more profitable than Listen Money Matters. And so, you have to also kind of like look behind. Yeah. Yes, he required he retired on five hundred thousand dollars, but there's a lot more there. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, the final question here is what steps have you taken or are seen being taken to avoid bankruptcy and some of the challenges that people ran into during those times? We both have multiple websites and we kind of are broadening that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Laura and I own some rental properties. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, golden butterfly. Golden Butterfly, you know, which is a very diversified set of investments. Fundrise. That's, a, that's that's built to, you know, sort of like lessen the blow. Do well in all scenarios. Yep. We we invest in Fundrise, which is income producing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you Diversification. Know, we, yeah, this exactly. Kind of the name the of the game. Is, you don't know what where the problem is going to happen. It could be the thing that blows up all blogs. That's the only thing that happens. <laughs> right. You know, right. the internet disappears. Well, yeah, go- Google and, dies. Yeah. If you have other plates spinning, you'll be fine. And sure. that's why we say you should diversify your income. Yeah, well, you'll, you'll be fine. You won't probably be earning as much as you were used to. And so you maybe shouldn't be spending all that much as well. Yes, I agree. So I think I think if you're if you're and I think we're going to do an episode on this because we I feel like we've done a million episodes on this. But I think we should always be repairing, re- preparing for a recession. Like that's the like that is how you avoid it is by yes. always is by being is by always being prepared for it as if it were going to happen tomorrow. And it's not like getting cans of beans and storing them in your. No, don't talk about beans. Oh, Jesus. Uh, that that are the worst. Yeah, my stomach hurts right now. <laughs> you just triggered me. You just have to, you know, spread your, your chips out so yep. that, you know, different eggs in different baskets. Yeah, there you go. Um, we're going to take a break. Thank you very much to whoever wrote that question. And we don't have the name there. But um, after the break, we're going to be talking about the Fisher effect, which is uh, a new fishing pole you can buy at Cabela's (laughs) or Dick's Sporting Goods and how we feel about employee stock options when we return. All right. Question number four comes from uh, someone who I think has one of the best names on the planet, Matt. I would be interested in hearing about the Fisher effect and your thoughts on it. And if you factor that into your personal investments. So you said that you were doing some looking up before we started the episode. I know what the Fisher effect is. Tell me. Basically, if uh, if you're if the saving rate or whatever you're earning is less than inflation. 
So basically, yes, I mean, in a nutshell. So so let's say uh, inflation is two percent, but mm-hmm. your all your money is in a savings account that's one point eight percent. The Fisher effect is negative zero point two percent or zero two percent, but point two percent. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so you'd be losing money. So you'd so be losing Fisher money every year. Essentially explains the difference between the real interest rate, the amount that you get yourself, yes, and what is advertised, because mm-hmm. what is advertised is affected by inflation. Yes, and we've talked about this. And like, so, so we were talking about a fridge before. So let's say you're going to buy a fridge yes. in a year from now and it costs a thousand dollars. Yep. And yeah, you put and, that thousand dollars in a CD. And, wait, yeah. You saw the exact same <laughs> yeah. video, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so you take that thousand dollars, you put it in a certificate of deposit. Uh-huh. Let's say it earns 5% and, uh, you know, inflation, inflation is 6%. Is 6%. Right. Right. So in a year you'll have a thousand and fifty dollars, but the fridge will be $1,060. Because of inflation? Right. You lost 1%. Yep. And so this is the whole thing of like, if you have your money in a savings account, uh, you're probably losing money. Yeah. So Because of the Fisher effect. Right. So the, the way that I think about it is um, when it comes to personal investments, I only keep money in a savings account that I plan on using within a year or two. And then everything else goes into a you know, Roth IRA or uh, some sort of IRA, some sort of 401k if you have that, uh, or uh, my investment accounts like my brokerage account with Betterment. And what I started thinking about just kind of on an off topic is how to diversify a little bit more. So I was thinking about, you know, obviously getting more into the golden butterfly and obviously I'm going to do that manually, but uh, I do have a savings account. It is 1.8% as of recording this. I, uh, that's changes. I feel like every fucking month nowadays. Um, but I only have money in there that I plan on using. Do you know what the current inflation rate is? It's two something, right? Currently as of right now, it's 1.9%. Okay. Still I'm losing 0.1%, but you know, that's fine. And, uh, we've talked about, it's not fine. <laughs> Okay, you know who knows about the Fisher effect? Fisher, War, War, Fisher himself, <laughs> himself, Mister Fisher. Um, Warren Buffett knows about the Fisher effect, right? He obviously knows about mm-hmm. inflation and stuff like that. Yet he also has a hundred twenty billion dollars sitting in cash right now. And so we've talked about opportunity funds, and I think that the vast majority of our money should just be automatically invested, dollar cost averaging. Uh, because you're saving it for like 30 some odd years anyways, but it does make sense to keep some on the side in case an opportunity comes by. I don't know. Maybe it's that house that you want to get. Maybe the stock market crashes and it turns out Tesla's at fire sale prices. <laughs> right. And yeah. so, uh, you know, the Fisher effect basically says that it's not smart to keep it in your savings account for a long period of time, long but term. doesn't mean yeah. like don't use one. Right. Yeah. Just not. Just not long term. It's not. It's right. not a long term. Inv- like putting your money in a savings account is not a long term investment. But you know, I hope most people would know that. Mm. You know. Uh, but other than that, like, do you factor that into any of your other investments? Um, I don't really think of like uh, the difference between because I'm not invested in anything that's like less than like that's that two small of a return. Yeah, yeah. So it's not. You know, those that like percentage points are minimal compared to what you're investing. like the market may lose money here or there whatever but broadly its return is like closer to six and a half or six yeah you know 
So inflation. Right. It's more than inflation. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that kind of covers it, right? Mm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, all right. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. Great name. Uh, last <laughs> question we have from Joe. I'd be super curious to hear your thoughts on employee stock options. Mm. Did you get, do you ever get employee stock options? I'm yeah. assuming you did. Yeah. With who? Uh, Lehman Brothers. Cool. How'd that work out? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I have 400 shares, which. Uh, Still do, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Why um, not? Why, why get rid of them? Well, I was reading online and I don't think I can get them anymore. But apparently on eBay, people are paying like 20 to like $50 for one share certificate. As Just a to have it? As a nostalgic thing, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, multiplied by 400 shares. But, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to pull it off. What's it worth? Uh, less than a dollar a share. I mean, I don't know. Like, n- basically nothing. Do they use that? So, the so okay, I guess, do you want to explain, since you you have them, mm-hmm. uh, what are employee stock options? So, there's, there's usually two ways. I would say three ways that you're going to get them. One, you're going to, you're going to, join a company, it's probably going to be a startup and they're going to give you shares as part of, you know, coming on the team and then some sort of like ladder where you get them over time. You get, you get vested over time. Exactly. So yeah. that, that's one way. Um, another way is uh, you're in a company that provides bonuses and uh, often a large portion of the bonus is Our in stock company option. stock. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're called that artist. are immediately vested. No, uh, okay. No, n- none of these things are okay. really tilted in your favor. Right. They're called often called RSUs, restricted stock units, and they're often at like a five-year interval. So mm. when you're a nobody baby just out of college, you get your $3,000 bonus in all company shares. And then in five years, you get access to that $3,000 when you're sure. hopefully earning a lot more. So kind of sucks. If you still work for the company. If you still work for the company. If you leave, obviously you lose your, your shares, even if yeah. you're three days away. Yep. Um, and then the third one, uh, which is like my favorite because it's like, I think it's kind of funny, is companies offer deals to employees to buy their at stock lower, through lower like cost. an internal portal. Yeah. Yes. And so Barclays and, well, I don't think Lehman did it. Barclays did that. And, you know, they say it's good that employees own the stock, but it also is a great way to push the stock price up if, sure. you know, your employees are buying it. Yep. Um, all three, I think, are equally bad. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I had that same feel. I mean, I don't, I've never owned, I've never worked for a company who offered that. Mm. I never worked for a company that big. Um, focus is like super on the company stock then, you know, like for example, I have a buddy that works at Apple and they get Apple yeah, my, shares. Yeah. My brother, my brother has some of those. And I'm sure all the employees are super happy about it because it's killing it and they pay a dividend. And that's like a great example of something that's like super working, but then also still the focus tends to be on the shares in that company. And the right. problem that I have with it, having been through the Lehman Brothers bankruptcy, is that your income is in this company, and then also your savings are in this company. And so it already sucks to lose one. To lose both is the worst. How do you feel about... Um, I just... That kind of just brought up an a thought in my head, which, which is like, you know how like nowadays we don't have as many companies offering pensions as there were before and now mm. companies are saying like go do it yourself here's here's a 401k or whatever uh and we and and you know a, par- a part of as millennials come into the job market and like 
are they're kind of being screwed when it comes to like what their parents earn because their parents had a lot of them had pensions. Whereas like nowadays we're kind of like leaving it up to the individual to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that, you know, like you could I do better than what a pension. would. Yeah. Been. But also I'm worried about the, I, I am so nervous about companies. Like I've seen, I've, I know people who have lost their pensions because their company went under and that's mm-hmm. the, you know, it's one of the things they can cut. Right. And it's like, well, you just, you know, put 30 years into this company because you had this awesome pension. And all of a sudden it's, it's like, you go to retire and it's fucking gone. And they were like, trust me. Yeah. You're going to have this money when it comes out. And it turns out if the money's not there because it didn't grow at the rate it needed to, yeah. or they didn't contribute a month, trust or otherwise, or the good intentions, you know, doesn't matter. If it's not there, it's not there. Uh, when you were offered these stock options at either, would you you get them at both companies at, at, Bar- at Barclays and uh, so I got RSUs at Lehman, and then I had the option to buy them, and I also got RSUs at Barclays. Did you? Um, I did buy them, and uh-huh. I had no choice. It was part of my bonus for the RSUs. That's my question. I got none of them when I left because collectively, besides the fact that Lehman left, I was not there long enough. So RSUs um, were garbage. Do they use those as incentives not to pay you more in cash bonuses and in, and in like and to pay you a bigger salary? Do they use that as like, hey, we're not going to we're you know, hey, we you know, normally somebody in your field is worth fifty thousand dollars. We're going to pay you forty thousand dollars plus stock options, though. Hey, and it's, yeah, and they don't have to actually come up with it until when it vests and it, and it basically locks you into being a loyal employee for those number of years. It's great retention. If say you are like, you know, you've been working for 15 years, you're a high ranking guy or girl and your bonus had like, I don't know, $20,000 in stock options. Well, yeah, maybe you're more likely to stay because you yeah. need that. You want that. All right. Give me some. I, I want to go through some scenarios here of when it's when it makes sense and where maybe somebody is right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's say uh, you're about to be hired or you want to look, you're looking for a new job. and um, they are offering stock options, but your your salary would be lower than what you want it. Often, you already know that's the case, and you're kind of joining the company because of that. Those tend to be startups, uh, okay. and like you're joining based on the vision. You know, mm. uh, Jet the Jet.com yep. is uh, based in Hoboken. I went and are I they thought, really? They are. And that's I was weird. like, I'm, I'm going to get a job there because like I could literally walk five minutes to the office. And yep. So I go and. Um, I calculated it out and like they give you like these rosy scenarios. And if I had stayed for five years in the rosy of scenarios, my options would have been worth $500,000, you know, okay. but then I have to believe in jet and think that they're going to be acquired, which they were and whatever. <laughs> um, but if like, you were joining Uber and you're like, I think self-driving cars are the future, like your best deal is to literally work there and get them at fire sale prices. That's okay. So that's that's the, one of the reasons you would join is for the stock options. Yeah, I think that's like the major. Yeah. Okay. Um. Would you like? What if you already have stock options in a company? What do you? What do, would you do? Um. Not much. Well, nothing you can do really. Yeah. Uh. If it's a massive amount, it will change your direction. I had a friend that uh worked for Instagram, Facebook, mm-hmm. and uh, he did not like it at all for a ton of reasons, but he stayed a little over a year just to get the first ladder, you know, the first batch. Cause the, so he, the, the first vet. Yeah. And so he got 
paid. He did, right? not as big as he thought, and, and it actually wound up not being as much total money as it was worth the risk to take. I mean, mm-hmm. Facebook knows they're not going to give you a million dollars for a year of work. Um, hmm. But, you know, it's not, but you don't take a job with the intention of hating it or, or leaving, you know? I can see companies um, using it as a way to pay less. And I'm sure a lot of companies do that. And how do you know when to avoid that? How do you know when that's happening to you? I, that, that's, it's always happening. Matt, <laughs> you, have a, you have a website under Ace Media LLC. You own yeah. all the shares. So you yeah. can just give them away if you want, right? And what does it cost you? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, you'll lose a percentage ownership in the company. You could also create more shares. Right. And dilute everybody. And so it's just yeah. kind of, uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, was, I always think about my boss who um, I asked for a raise and instead he gave me a 401k, which I was like, okay. And he matched it, but he did it for a month and then he stopped. Hmm. So I was like, that wasn't a raise. You didn't give me yeah. shit. Anyway. <laughs> I just think it's like, <laughs> if you're not, I'm like, give me, show me the money. I want to see yeah. money. I don't want to see fucking paper IOUs. You know what I mean? And having money in one stock is risky. Yeah. Even if you feel like you know the company because you work there. Right. I That's couldn't the point imagine too. Lehman Brothers going bankrupt. Everyone there was brilliant. The co- working there was great. Shit happens. I mean, the only benefit I see is like, yeah, you work at something like Apple and you're getting it at way cheaper i don't know way cheaper but but i i would assume cheaper prices than what the average person like someone like me who doesn't work at apple would be paying for that share for sure that's cool hmm. you know especially on a, on a i mean christ if you're working at tesla and you're getting stock options you're you're crushing it right now yeah right so i mean but you you go to work at tesla because you believe in the tesla mission and those people are working really hard over there I was uh, I was on the Stripe website because we have websites that use Stripe. Yeah, and um, they're now issuing, allowing you to issue credit cards, and they have like all this really cool stuff. And I was like, oh my god, I love this company. I want to buy stock. And so uh, there's a site called Equity Zen. I signed up for, and it's not this. No shares are really available right now, but like I want to buy into these companies, some of these companies, and I'm not in them. You know, so if right. you were lucky to start at Stripe in the beginning. Forget about it. Oh, so you can't buy Stripe stock? Not until they go public. So they're, they're not pri- public. They're, they're private. So only, so only employees can get it. Who have vested shares, have vested which shares. is few. Yeah. Hmm. It's pretty interesting. So I guess those are our thoughts. Hmm. I, I, I don't really have that many because I've never been, I don't have, I've never been offered it. But when I was reading out all about it and obviously I've talked to my brother with the Apple shares and stuff and, you know, the, the thought that I have was just, you know, I, I yeah, if, I, I agree with like, if you believe in the company, go work for them, get the shares, take it. Yeah. At, at the sale. Hell yeah. Look, if uh, you could work for GE and get Apple shares, I think that's a great. <laughs> right, that's a great yeah, there you go. So I got to thank Joe B for that question. So I got to thank Joe. I got to thank Matt, Kyle, and Travis for your questions today. Thank you so much. And uh, if you missed anything, we'll have everything in the show notes. You can either check your preferred podcast app or visit listenmoneymatters.com slash show. And please subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts. I don't care where that is. Apple where else stitcher overcast whatever spotify Spotify. tell your friends uh tell your friends about us and point them to your favorite episodes and hopefully they'll become a subscriber that's what we want uh that's what you want that's what everybody wants right 
And if you have any questions or topics you want us to talk about on the show, like we always do, please email us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And of course, the tools and resources we normally mention on this show are available at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. All right, that's it. Later, Andrew. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show. Thank you.